everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We are proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today, as we have done every year for several years now, we are supporting the Miami Book Fair, which is one of the largest book fairs in the country and highly celebrated. Um, My guest host today is uh, author and poet Irene O'Garden, who has been awarded just about every writing and poetry award there is. I can't <laughs> even begin to tell you every single really one of them because you, you, yeah, well, you really need to have just a list of awards and accolades. Um, the Lucille Lortel Award for Best Solo Show. Um, she has won the Barilla Car Playwriting Fellowship and was awarded full development at New Harmony Play Project. Um, her lyric essay, Glad to be Human, won the push cart. And on and on and on and on and on. She's won several grants for her poetry performance. She's performed at top literary venues. Um, her poetry and essays are found in journals and anthology. She has uh, been awarded several residence at artist colonies throughout the country, most recently at the Malay Colony. She created a performing literary arts magazine called The The Art Garden. After producing, hosting, and writing for it for 25 years, she put the garden to bed. Um, She has won the Alice Curtis Desmond Award, Golden Oppenheim Toy Portfolio Best Book, the Scrubby Bubbly Car Wash, and her children's book, Maybe My Baby, has sold over 90,000 copies. I am so thrilled to have as my guest host today, Irene Garden, who speaks to one of the most prominent poets in our country today, Richard Blanco. Take it away, Irene, and welcome. Oh, gracious. Thank you so much, Pam. Well, it is a, a humbling honor uh, to be able to have this conversation with Richard Blanco. Uh, I'm sure uh, many of our listeners know that he was selected by Barack Obama as the fifth presidential inaugural poet in U.S. history. Uh, he's an award-winning author, two memoirs, four poetry collections. He, he's such a beautiful and strong voice uh, in our country, and we're, we're going to be talking about that in a moment. Uh, he also served as the first ever education ambassador for the Academy of American Poets and is also a member of the Obama Foundation's Advisory Council. Uh, welcome, welcome, Richard. We are so honored to have you today. Thank you, Irene. Great. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And, and you have this beautiful new book that has just been issued by Beacon Press in Boston called How to Love a country, and uh, you open it with a quote from James Baldwin, which says, the role of the artist is exactly the same as the role of the lover. If I love you, I have to make you conscious of the things you don't see. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about what that means to you, that quote? Well, I mean, obviously, in the context of Baldwin's work and and all the sort of social political issues that uh, he was taking on at the time, for me, um, you know, it means uh, basically I'm addressing the country, right? I think it's a a counter uh, to that sort of more stereotypic or um, misunderstood idea of patriotism that, you know, um, 
you know, you're either with us or against us or, you know, our country can do no wrong. And rather that uh, really to love a country um, means to, uh, in a way, paralleling any kind of any kind of love, which means to, to be honest, forthright and um, called out what needs to be called out while yet uh, in a loving and uh, careful and considered way. So, yeah, that's that's that. That epigraph, that quote, was really, uh, really struck me, um, especially mm-hmm. in the context of the title of the book. Well, I, I, what is so wonderful to me is that love sings all the way through this book, uh, even when you are looking at some pretty difficult situations. The love for human beings, the love for people, uh, you, you say that we are the cure for the hatred caused by despair. Just in that sentence alone, the understanding that you're showing people who, who are going off in directions that, that are less than, less than creative, um, that, that love is just so powerful all the way through. I, I wondered, uh, just, just to start a little bit, I know you, you had a multiple childhood <laughs> right. and many languaged childhood. Uh, I, can you tell me a little bit about words and their place uh, growing up in your house? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I had a, I had a very strange, uh, have a very strange sort of genesis story here. <laughs> um, I was, like I like to say, I was made in Cuba, assembled in Spain, and imported to the United States. So uh, <laughs> my mom left Cuba uh, seven months pregnant with me. I was born in Madrid uh, as exile to my, uh, we, we fled as exiles from Cuba. Um, I was born in Madrid. 45 days later, we emigrated to the United States. So by the time I was 45 days old, I belonged to three countries. <laughs> and uh, that sort of set the stage for something that would come to obsess all my writing, which is the idea of home, belonging, place, language, um, and all, all the rest, uh, that big word home, which is like asking what is love. And so, you know, it's really mm-hmm. interesting because um, I'm a civil engineer, um, and, and not just not just by degree or by trade, but I've been a practicing civil engineer all my life, and wow. uh, I just got yeah, I discovered poetry late in life, probably around twenty five, twenty six is when I started writing, uh-huh. and, I, and it wasn't until recently, to like a f- maybe a few months ago, that 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 I realized why I became a poet actually. <laughs> um, and why? I, <laughs> I had always thought, why am I a poet? Why the? I yeah. mean, of all the things in the world. Um, and I realized that it had to be that I, uh, since a young age, I don't ever remember not knowing two languages. Uh, since I got here at 45 days old, um, I learned Spanish and English simultaneously. Spanish was spoken at home. I was already in daycare by two years old, learning English. Um, so I learned at an early age that language wasn't just a way of communicating, but a way of being, of breathing, of living, of understanding life and the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that fascination with language stayed with me uh, somewhat dormant throughout most of my life. But then when it came to uh, exploring uh, a creative uh, outlet for my life, or I, would, I knew I always wanted, I wanted to add something creative to my resume of life, um, mm-hmm. I, I just thought, what's the weirdest thing that I don't, I know nothing about? It? And I thought, let's write poetry. And so, but <laughs> and so I just went with it. But actually, yeah, I think that is the core of it is is my my obsession, fascination with language, which is also, of course, language is so attached to my to to my sense 
sense of home um, and my cultural identity. So all that sort of got wrapped up into creating a poet, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think it's wonderful because, I, you know, I, I think of an engineer being very concerned with built things and certainly uh, poetry is a built thing. I mean, we really do have to pay attention to its craftsmanship, which you do so beautifully. Um, you say uh, you, you trust a poem's imagery and you, you hear it as music enough to mend what we ourselves rend apart. And, 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 and that even brings us to the idea of society as a built thing, that we can mend it and repair it, which is uh, the sense of hope that just rolls uh, throughout this book. Um, I, I, I think it's just so, um, it's healing. It's healing to read your work. Um, when you started to write, you have an incantatory, big voice. Was that, was that evident in you when you first were starting to write? Um, you know, luckily, um you know, growing up, growing up in Miami, um, you kind of, uh, you kind of don't feel like the other because everyone, uh, around me was sort of like me, had similar stories, similar backgrounds in the community at large. Most of the, most of my classmates were Cuban American and whatnot. So, but, but I, you know, suddenly, you know, it comes that age 20 something where you start really to ask that big question, where are you from? And mm-hmm. um, serendipitously, um, my very first creative writing assignment in my very first graduate class uh, was write a poem about America. And suddenly there was this uh-huh. flood of questions that I never even knew I had because it was kind of it's kind of a little uh, sort of smoke and mirrors again because in my I didn't feel like the other, but I, I was the other, and or I wanted uh-huh. to be the other, which was the you know the the the. the the families I saw on TV, the foods and commercials for foods that I saw on TV that weren't part of my <laughs> culture, like, uh, you know, the Brady Bunch and macaroni and cheese were like just yeah. things that were alien to me. Right. So I think I just had all this sort of pent up or, uh, 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 uh questions that just started unleashing themselves, sort of the dam broke, um, and really exploring that big question, where am I from and where do I belong? And, and what does it mean to be a Cuban? What does it mean to be an American? And I thank God for that assignment because, in a way, that's the same assignment Obama gave me when he asked me to write the inaugural poem. Was write a poem about America, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> ironically. And so uh, it's still with me today. Um, and so I, 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 I sort of had a built-in, almost, almost immediately, a kind of direction and theme, and uh, a really big question that I wanted to uh, address, and which I hadn't. Uh, pretty much uh, all my life until writing happened. And as I always uh-huh. like to say, writing, you know, writing makes us think and, and thinking makes us write. And so all these discoveries, mm-hmm. as I look back, are really, you know, they're really because of the writing that 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 um, that I was able to investigate and explore these questions. It wasn't like I was thinking about those things that, you know, at seven years old, I wasn't having an identity crisis. Um, <laughs> Thank but it was coming. <laughs> Um, well, I, 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 you know, one of the things that I uh, see as the word country comes again and again in this book, um, you talk about to love a country as if you've lost one. Uh, were you, when you talk about that, are you talking, what, tell me about that 
losing a country, that idea for you of losing yeah. a country. Yeah, I think so. Um, so um, that's from a poem called uh, Mother Country, which was actually uh, the White House actually asked me to write three poems uh, for mm-hmm. the inauguration, not just one. And obviously they chose the one I read, one today. This was the third poem in which I turned to my mother's story of exile and, and immigration and suddenly dawned upon me that in some ways my mother uh, is more of an American than I could ever be for that act of faith, that sacrifice of abandoning and mm-hmm. leaving her entire family behind. I mean, her entire, mm-hmm. every single living relative for the sake of of really what is a quintessential American dream immigrant story. And I think Mm -hmm. that perspective that we grew up with, you know, knowing the sacrifices she made for this country, um, uh, gave gave me a sense of of two things. It's my lifeline to Cuba, but it was also my lifeline to sort of a sense of um, a very patriotic sense of the United States because of that. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I was trying to bring out in that poem the idea that, you know, if we look at the if we look at our own country through the eyes of immigrants that have given up so much for the promises that uh, this country made to the world, um, I I was hoping that we would sort of be able to by stepping into those kinds of emotional shoes to really appreciate sometimes the things we take for granted about our freedoms and liberties mm. uh-huh. to stand up and um, speak out, speak out and for, and to uh, those things that, uh, that we need to correct to continue, uh, to continue the evolving narrative of what mm-hmm. America is, of what the United States is, of what liberty and justice really means. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so I just sort of, sort of, sort of just trying to see that, you know, and, and in a way, you know, thinking if we had to, you know, like my mother did, pack a bag, one suitcase and uh, mm. leave everything you had behind, how might we, wow. how might we recontextualize our relationship to our country and our democracy, luckily, in which we have the capability and the duty to involve ourselves in. Beautiful. And I, and I love, too, when you say, forgiveness became my country. <laughs> this is kind of a thing we could all take into our hearts here. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, funny because that, that's actually the first poem I wrote too. And so I was, uh, when you speak about the Baldwin quote as well, uh, that sort of uh-huh. ties into that poem. And I was trying to parallel the idea of a, of a, of, of a, a partnership or I, I don't want to say marriage, but any kind of sort of paralleling it or, or creating an analogy between a romantic relationship and the relationship we have our, with our country and how we yeah. go through different stages of sort of infatuation um, <laughs> and then, you know, sort of disenchantment and then uh-huh. finally forgiveness and growing up to a mature love uh, and relationship with our country, which is to, you know, cause, cause them as you see them, but also with with the intent that this relationship is worth is is worth salvaging, yeah, salvaging, and it's worth pursuing, and it's something that yes. we, that is really a big part of our lives. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, one of the things too that I I appreciate about your work is that you know the country and the people in it are not just these anonymous beings. You have this beautiful capacity to imagine yourself into people, whether it's a a woman knitting on the subway or. Um, people walking down the street. One of my favorite descriptions uh, in your work, you, you talk about being in New York City. I just have to read this line because sonically it's so beautiful, and it's such an accurate description of walking down 
I think it's Fifth Avenue in New York City, you say, brigade of shoulders hurtling down its gum-blotched sidewalks. Yeah, <laughs> I like that I one, too. I <laughs> love that, uh, because in that, I, I, I feel your love for the people, but I also feel your love for language and sound. Um, what, I, can you talk to me a little bit about sound and rhythm in your work? You know, it, um, it's interesting. I... I um, um, uh, I've I've had I've I've read reviews where people sort of are talking about me writing in some kind of predominant meter and whatnot, and honestly, I've never really intended that, but I just hear language that way. I think uh-huh. each poet hears language some way in whatever in whatever complex way it's imprinted us imprinted in us from an early age, and for me in particular, um, I think that there's more in my writing. Besides the subject matter of cultural identity and whatnot, yeah. and being Cuban and an immigrant, I think it's also imprinted in my sense of language and the rhythm of it comes from Spanish. <laughs> in some ways, uh-huh. it's been transliterated. In some ways, I hear I hear English and Spanish, so to speak, not the words themselves, but the rhythm of it, yeah. um, and and just the you know the way that Spanish can just serve just just be like a symphony of sound right and i think as i look back i think that's that's probably somehow how it comes through um um and it's really interesting and and you know this as a poet too you know that that it's not the language that's it's not the voice that's it's in our minds every day but i almost feel when i write a poem or when i'm struggling to first write a poem it's kind of like i'm tuning an instrument and until i hear that mm. voice that song where the words just feel like 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 a, a a symphony come together that first line until then i can't really trust the poem and i think that <laughs> i'm fascinated by that um it um yeah and i i, I mean it's yeah it's like you know you're you're like you, you know you're you're trying to get those notes right and until that happens i don't hear a poem in my head um uh-huh. And from them I know forward. sometimes I feel like a chef. I'm tasting things. It's like, no, not this with that, not this with that. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, there it is. The combination. Right. <laughs> it works. It works. Uh, I just have to do another one of these uh, lines of yours just for pure sonic joy. You, you talk about a chance clash of rock, a callous dust. Like, ah, just the, 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 the pure sound of, of language. Uh, and what it does. Do you do you sense uh, something different when you read a poem aloud than when it's on the page for yourself? Oh gosh, certainly. And and you know the the more I, the lately I've been really thinking about how poetry itself um, has much perhaps a, a larger a, a bigger relationship to music and song than it does to mm. other genres of writing <laughs> because we uh-huh. all know you know poetry's dna is its genesis is from song and oral tradition and so um definitely um definitely i've in the past especially the last few years where i've done so many readings probably i think i was counting i've done up to 600 engagements by this oh, time right. <laughs> so oh. um i've learned that um until the poem lives in your body in the way that a song lives and i do mm-hmm. edit for sound i read out loud my poems and uh-huh. i'm tripping over words or something i know there's something not right but it's weird until until that poem starts living in your body um and and 
you know, and your 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 lungs and your diaphragm and 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 you're just embodying that poem. It starts teaching you even further how to read it. Um, and uh-huh. what are the cadences? What are the pauses? What are the, uh, you know, the rhythms? Are you slow down, speed up? Um, and that only happens through just doing it over and over again. Um, kind uh-huh. of the same way you have to rehearse a song till you get it right, you know, till you feel it right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been more and more of a parallel for me. I think in some ways, um, you know, uh, poetry could easily, just as easily be taught with, uh, with music and art and drama because it has mm-hmm. so many parallels to, to those worlds. Mhm, mhm. Oh, I love that idea because, of course, imagery is central to all of them. Yeah. And uh, and and there's also a sensual pleasure to all of them, which, which and, I and, believe. And the performance aspect of it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> when you get up to read a poem, you you become. It's an. I always consider that another part of the poem, another part of our craft, is the re- to recite a poem. Um, and unfortunately, it's not as as emphasized as much as it probably should be. I agree. I, I think for me, when I write, I feel that my poem does not live yet until I read it aloud to somebody. <laughs> yes, and that's then, exactly, exactly right. I think it's the full circle, right? It's, then you feel like, okay, the poem is, now the poem is in the world and, 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 it's, and, it, com- and it connects. It finally feels real. Uh-huh. I, I'll, I'm going to ask you this question, but you may have already answered it. Um, what what's the most fun thing about being a poet for your or about poetry itself for you? And I'm asking you this after six hundred reading. So you may need to take a breath, but <laughs> Yeah, um yeah, um I'm not sure uh I'm not sure uh <laughs> I'm not sure if it would be the right word, but the thing that keeps me addicted to writing poetry um, and to being a poet is that I feel that in every single time I write a poem, I discover something um, new about myself, about the people in my life, about uh, my country, <laughs> about mm-hmm. uh, just some dimension of life because the poem allows me to do that. Other than I feel like I'm, I'm actively engaged in 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 life and and in pursuing yeah. it and and not just sort of being a bystander or an observer. And so that keeps me mm-hmm. addicted. Mm-hmm. And then that moment when the poem starts writing itself, when when all when all the confluences of all the parts of creativity sort of align um, and um, the poem is practically writing itself when you're in creative flow um, and mm. you know four hours go by and you think it was five minutes right so yeah. that's one thing and the other thing is like what we were talking about before um, uh, when the poem connects with real live people and someone shares the story about their life that my poem um, 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 reminded them of or sort of brought to life Uh then i feel like the poem has really done something in the world and i realize it's really you know not me it's not about me it's really about the reader in some ways and that Mm -hmm. that 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 connection of that bridge of empathy um that happens when suddenly Mm -hmm. because i've and usually it's a similar discovery to what i've discovered in the poem so when that that kind of that kind of uh 
of moment happens, um, that is also so thrilling and fun and, um, and um, yeah, keeps me writing. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, long may you write. Speaking of uh, time flying, uh, our time has flown. Um, but, but before I leave, I want to remind our listeners, the name of the book is How to Love a Country Beautiful set of poems by Richard Blanco, uh, and I, there's a there's a quote that I found in this book, and I I just put I just put preach <laughs> when I when I read it because it was so beautiful, which is the only dream worth dreaming is the one we dream in every color, and I just want to thank you so much, Richard Blanco, for the beauty of your words and your spirit, and long may it rain in our country well thank you and thanks again for the opportunity to connect and 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 share and and our joy for poetry and i want to thank both of you for for being on the show richard i'm a miami native so um (laughs) i've seen so many changes through through miami i actually moved to southwest florida 10 years ago simply for the traffic by the way but um but I do miss its uniqueness and um, all the cultural and amazingly creative people there. Um, I want to just remind everyone that Richard will be attending the Miami Book Fair as a panelist, as a guest there. Uh, if you don't have plans to go, please do take your entire family. And I want to thank Irene and Richard for being on the show. And thank you, listeners. And thank you, Mom and Dad. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.